transmission by me, Donald Dean. Make me an island. Once upon a time, there was a Dublin boy from a northside enclave called Marino who fell deep into a world of music through a tin whistled shaped hole in the flat earth's crust. Down, down, deeper and down he spiralled like grace notes falling through sedimented layers of musical history and dimensions of sound which are the bedrock of all four of the green fields that musically and metaphorically speaking make up the island of Ireland. Ireland. Between the cracks he tumbled like a complete unknown for 30 and one years past the crust through the mantle till he reached the inner core. Here, at the centre of everything, deep in the heart of the matter, with the heat at its absolute hottest now, the flesh became word, and the word was good enough for the tectonic plates above him to cleave open with the force of the three decades formed new sound erupting from his head, hands and lungs. Via the mouth, through the fingers, into the sound hall of a Taylor acoustic guitar, and from there on up into the reverberating world above. Reverberations. earth was moving, and with it his lips, the movement of which shaped the air that blew out as words, which, when strung together in poetic ways, became songs, a place where extraordinary sentences meet through the medium of melody. It's powered by a very different type of electricity, but light bulb moments illuminate the earth's core too, you know. Now it's June 2021, and the time to climb the 5,000 miles back up to the Earth's crust and go earn one has finally come. With these songs and this extraordinary sound, the world was now available to be his oyster, his, he, him, John Francis Flynn. for dear life actually, on a North Kerry shaped section of the same Earth's crust. My name is Donald Deneen. And although I'm a recovering DJ who can barely pronounce my own name, not to mind scarcely get arrested, I've been deemed suitably qualified to introduce you to the music of the man who fell upwards to Earth. So I just want to say thank you, Ireland, and you're welcome, rest of the world. Fitting a man who travelled so far in the formation of his sound, this is no ordinary tale. John Francis Flynn, for that is his real name, has been booking trends since long before he knew what they even were. And now he's trending, or about to at least, gas. Being schooled in traditional Irish music in 1990s Northside Dublin was step one on this epic journey and the beginning of his trend booking days for real. The course thereafter is a wayward and winding one to this beautifully wrought world of sound we find ourselves immersed in today. 
Thankfully, it's been an eventful ride thus far, full of the kind of bumps and blips that make for interesting anecdotes in career-spanning retrospectives. But it's only just begun. Now, a lot of water has flown under the Liffey's 21 bridges and plenty of air has been blown through various flutes and whistles since the journey began. But this spot right here, from where John is just about to send his debut recording out into the world, is the turning point at which all those strands and tributaries meet. This here is a confluence, a crossroads and a launching pad for the stratosphere. It's also the beginning of a critical new chapter. So for the sake of the story, it's a good place to be. Blood in this music courses with tremendous strength from ancient sources, and the weight of the words have been carried by different singers across time, but filtered through John's uniquely deep tones and thoroughly modern arrangements, the songs end up somewhere entirely new. These are old songs in modern settings that don't just bring something new to the table, they invent an entirely new kind of dining experience. Breathing new life into old airs is another way of putting it. Whatever way you look at it, the freshness in these arrangements opens up new spaces for our heads to go. That's why the excitement that music generates is at its most intense on the new frontier. And that's exactly where we are here, because these songs resonate at a different pitch to anything I've ever heard. Time and again, I've got the feeling they're being sung for the inaugural time on the first morning of a brave new sonic world. That's my tuppence worth. Anyway, how much do I owe you? Behind the making of I Would Not Live Always is a kind of dream team from fantasy music town that is the city of Dublin in 2021. There's the efforts of an uncrowned king from the realm of Irish production royalty, Brendan Jenkinson, to contend with for starters. And it's a lot to contend with. As a gifted musician himself, Brendan brings an acute aesthetic sensibility to the game, which goes a long way to explaining how he turns his productions so consummately into works of art. More on that soon. Another key ingredient in the rich tapestry of sound that sets this work of art apart is the electronic weather that drummer and multi-instrumentalist Ross Cheney imbues it with. Yes, this album has a climate and independent ecosystem all of its own. Of course it does. We'll be hearing how Ross catches the wind with his legendary Tascam tape machine, the source of all this strangely beautiful meteorological activity. As well as getting a look inside how this record was made, we're also going to be tracing at least one of those tributaries all the way back to the source when Cahill Caulfield joins us in John's garden for instructions on how and when to leave Milltown Malbay, as well as a drop or two of the pure. And to sum up, only joking, we're not even near the summing up point. Confusion? Yes. Conclusions? No. Instead, we hand over to the actual dreamers of the dream, for these are the music makers. So 
dollar Firstly, John himself explains where the songs were at before recording and what happened when they were brought into the studio. Yeah, I've pretty kind of strong ideas in terms of where I might go, but I don't. They're not like 100% formed in terms of the actual sounds or the minute details of the sounds, whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, say if I'm if I'm arranging a song, like I'm already kind of hearing a lot of the a lot of what I want to hear in, in in my head you know yeah um and then it's just about bringing that to people who actually play those instruments yeah. and who can use that so like with ross like it was like i don't know how to do this stuff but i have these ideas and i'm going to describe that thing to you and then he'll come back with something and then we'll you know with alton it was more just jamming with alton and same with brendan kind of similar with thing with Ross like just kind of trying to describe these things that I have in my head yeah um well as that goes I think the actually jamming stuff out in a room is like kind of the best that's that's what I've discovered is the best kind of and gigging Mm -hmm. is the best kind of way to do that Mm -hmm. and although I have like set kind of things in my head like ideas in my head or like a road a route I want to take I kind of know what I don't like as you jam, you're kind of thinking like, "This is great," or "I'm not mad on this." Let's go this way, and like generally, it'll, it'll be, yeah. It's just I don't know. It's exploring through collaboration, I suppose. collaborator in those studio explorations was producer Brendan Jenkinson. John and I were were in the same course in, in Maynooth yeah. um, studying music. I, I think neither of us actually finished that degree. But no. um, I so we knew each other from then. And then there, there was probably like seven years that passed where I think I saw you once or twice. Yeah. One of them, one of them was in the sea in, uh, yeah, the, in, in Seapoint. We really? were both we were both swimming, and I was like, "All right, John." <laughs> <laughs> so have, wait, wait, t- hold on. So before that, you'd met on land just once. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we 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 were yeah we met on land a few times, and then it's a true story. Yeah. <laughs> the next time we met, yeah, was in actually a fully submerged in water. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, um, and then so. The, the genesis of, of sort of working together was a bit, there wasn't really any backstory as such. It was kind of, it randomly happened, but a beautiful thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, John came in one day to, to my studio and we, we just sort of played through all the songs. Um, yeah. Sort of, yeah, like it, it was, we sort of like eased our way into yeah. like recording. I think we just sort of met up a few times. And like, I think it's nice to like just talk a bit about it first maybe um yeah instead of like booking a session and just like going for it although that might work too um but it's always just like sort of like playing some music recording it and then 
everyone sort of like listening back and kind Ooh. of sort of realizing what happened there and is that the direction we want to go in mm -hmm. and and just like I try to as much as possible just be attuned to that and just have a sense of whether or not we're going in the right direction mm -hmm. so I think that's the that's really the big thing for me it's like I never really know what a record's going to sound like or anything yeah. it's kind of just like does this feel like the right direction and yeah. then you just keep doing that mm, yeah. <laughs> and then eventually you've got a record so like so the initial thing is like making marks on a page and then from yeah. there on it, there's some kind of shaping to it yeah and like I suppose I'm I'm like I I have certain sort of skills and equipment that I can guide it I, mm -hmm. and then it's just like a, a feedback loop of sorts yeah uh, but yeah like exactly like you say One of the key tasks for the producer in that feedback loop is managing expectations and maintaining that all-important sense of excitement. Yeah, like if maybe if you're if you lose excitement, then it's like, well, are we not excited about it because we've just been listening to it for too long? Yeah. And that could be a thing. Right. So maybe it's like... That's your job to let's, point that yeah, out. Let's, okay, this could be A. <laughs> yeah, let's just go for a walk and forget that's, about it. Yeah, that's oh. happened a lot of times. Well, like, yeah. Where like... Because <laughs> say like myself and Ross would have been playing the material a good few times, you know? Mm -hmm. Like before we went in to record yeah. this stuff. Because the foundation of what started there was the gigs with Ross and playing with Ross. Yeah, well, and even before that, like... Uh, stuff at Alton as well. Like, oh, yeah. So, like, the arrangements. And actually, before that, just... It's it's been a big, long process over mm -hmm. time. So, for me, like, the way that the material is built, uh, it's, like, some of it is so, so old to me. And not just that they're traditional songs, but mm -hmm. you've been playing them for way too long. Then yeah. there's Alton, and then stuff developed at Ross. And by the time we were recording them, like, I'd say even... Like I was, my ears were already just from listening to myself singing them over and over again. Very tired even before I went in the studio. Yeah. Ross is probably as well because we've been playing it so quite a bit as well. And then, so it's, it's, it's amazing to have someone else to be like, right, um, like a fresh pair of ears to, mm -hmm. to, to have on that, you know, mm -hmm. and then to know even you were probably getting tired of some of it. We played it, played some some of the songs like oh, like way too many times, it, like. But yeah, you were kind of great to have that perspective to yeah. kind of come away from it and move away, and then mm -hmm. you know, overthinking things can be really, really yeah dangerous. I mean, I think. Another of the key attributes in Brendan's production practice is his own gifted musicianship, many examples of which grace the record. It can kind of help me as well in the recording process if I'm playing. Yeah. It, because it kind of puts me in the shoes of, of the person yeah. performing, mm -hmm. um, which sort of helps the recording a little bit, I think. Yeah. Like I mean, even, even if it's just a drone, even if yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. managing a drone. <laughs> Yeah, because it's kind of like drone management. Drone management. Oh, he's doing really well now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brendan's been. <laughs> yeah. But that it's kind of yeah, no, sorry, helpful. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, but is it that is because it gives you that feel for the what's happening and then yeah. how, how it feels from that side of the. Window. I think so. Yeah. Like talk to me about I would not leave always itself the title tra- or the title track. I mean, which is just phenomenal. Yeah. Well, one of the things <laughs> I love about John's approach is um, he's very like willing to just try out any kind of arrangement on a song like I think one of John's biggest well he's got many skills but um I, I just think he's an amazing arranger um like the the choices that he makes as an arranger mm-hmm. are I find them so interesting especially that song um like I would never have arranged it like that myself and I think it's amazing it's just so it's really creative and like there's a sort of architecture to that arrangement that's that's really exciting it's like when you see a beautiful building um but yeah the the um and it and it's sort of visceral in terms of how it brings you through the storm section the Um, storm section yeah yes um but <laughs> so. but then like John since we since we've done the album John has jammed out a few different arrangements of that song mm. and they're beautiful as well So the actual storm then is comprised of what is what's going on there in terms of drums, machinery, drums, guitar, vocals mainly. Like John and Ross had done out that arrangement, uh, and sorry, Ross's Tascam. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like synth loops and a synth drone, drums, guitar, yeah. mm-hmm. and then I think I added some more synths. And um, you were doing, or is this is this a, you were doing the Bass, bass amp, the bass thing. The oh yeah, there's a little bit of a suggestion yeah. of a bass accompaniment because yes, yes, that, yes, that was something that I thought, I thought maybe it needed that, but also because it didn't want to overdo it. Yeah, it's not overdone. Okay, it's not overdone. <laughs> it like it's ready for some like some field in County Meath. You know those fields. <laughs> I know them well. <laughs> of the production is the skillful way it captures the unique instrument that is John's voice. I'd never really recorded anyone with a voice like John's. Mm. Like it is quite unique. Um, I, there was, there's harmonics. There's like, yeah, there's there's harmonics that come from John's voice that I think often singers might try to suppress. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that really interesting in terms of like how I would approach capturing it. Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted from my own input on the record, I, I kind of wanted to record it in such a way that it sounded like John was like almost inside your own head yeah. when he was singing. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if that's a good way to approach it or not, but I thought that would be interesting. <laughs> to start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exactly. All of the songs were recorded as as performances, like with guitar and voice together. Yeah. Um, and that was uh, like a challenge in itself um, because for the most part, John's playing is quite light, um, amazing like finger style um, playing accompanied by quite um, quite a big sounding um, voice. Yeah, yeah. So there's some, that's quite challenging to mm-hmm. record well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to leave. It was because it, it was funny. There was no, there was no real formula for how we did it. Like sometimes, sometimes we'd go in and record a song, and it would be in the first three takes. It was like, right, that's it. Um, and then other times, it was a bit more slow to to bloom. You know, yeah, so yeah. so we would actually like. Do it, end up doing a load of takes and sort of tweaking our things as, mm. as we went along but then yeah. we would just go off and go for a walk or get some dinner or something mm-hmm. and come back and try it again and sometimes yeah. that worked yeah um it, it, yeah it's, it's it's funny like it sometimes it works straight off the bat and other times it doesn't and it's yeah. it's about having the patience to yeah accept that sometimes yeah um because sometimes you can kind of feel worried if it's not happening straight away mm. but mm. but that that might not help either. Yeah. Now if you fall and toward yourself and get a feeling bad. Like we've sort of talked about doing other stuff as well. So mm-hmm. so it feels like the album is sort of it's it's one piece of work from a certain time, but mm-hmm. that even in our processes while we were working on that album it the processes were kind of like it, it was almost like we were practicing for other processes that we will do yeah if that makes sense so Wonderful. like we we might go and yeah uh, and with with ross and alton mm-hmm. um is the the dream team yeah yeah like <laughs> at some point um, still haven't team. still haven't all four of us played together but it will happen <laughs> can't wait yeah I think I've seen all the different configurations, but never the full dream team, simply because it hasn't happened yet. But when it does, wild horses, etc. We're going to be checking in with Ross Cheney next, but here's an example of the holy trinity of Brendan, Alton and John on full power from a previous Make Me an Island episode at the Sugar Club. exactly three quarters of the John Francis Flynn experience. The other 25% is drummer and musical weatherman Ross Cheney. We hit him up for an illustrated guide to the Tascam, a machine that's pivotal to the shaping of the album sound. 
and so at the heart of it all is a tape, right? Is that how? Yeah. So it's four tracks. Yeah. So four tape heads. So yeah. On this one, there could be just likely it's going to be a drone. Yeah. Drone management. Yeah. <laughs> More drones. <laughs> this one is another drone. And then this one is kind of like an arpeggio, which, like I said, it was hinting that time, but it's not really. Kind of moves around. It moves around when you when you. Uh, I can move around with the like the delay times, but um, a lot of the like shaping of the sound. If I'm playing with John, when I was playing with John live, yeah. is you can use like the sweepable mid, so it sounds kind of like a synthy like filter. That's a synth drone, but I can in real time get like filter sweeps, like yeah. typical filter sweeps. Um, yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> basis of we'll say the live set that was yeah. the basis of you know the beginning mm. of this kind of process that we we're talking about um you you would take the raw materials from from sort of a, a version that john played you or sent you or is that how it kind of worked yeah i'd kind of work through it with john john would come with me yeah come with me come to me with the song yeah and kind of give me ideas of kind of like textures or kind of like the like the textural landscape that he kind of had in his head yeah which is a skill that john has is uh he can speak really like abstractly like mm-hmm. in non-musical terms about mm-hmm. like like landscapes and feelings but he's very um he's great vision of what he wants because yeah. i did think it didn't always turn out right like yeah. <laughs> I, yeah i did some things that were completely not what john wanted so yeah but, john, but then maybe- also things that were like more than what I wanted, you know. If you, if you know what I mean, like there was t- there was times when it would there was times when like it was dead on. There was times when I was like absolutely not, and there was times when I was like, <laughs> this is uh, exactly what I wanted. And then there's so much more. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic, and I never would have thought about that. Mm. Beautiful Tascan noises hover in and out of the sound, the free element in the mix adding an extra layer of mystery at key moments. How these sound worlds merge together is to a large extent the story of the album, and it's no surprise to hear that the first intersection of Ross and John's path happened a long time ago, on land and in school. We were in music class together, I remember like hearing Ross playing the drums for the first time in Miss Smith's class. You played a Led Zeppelin thing. Uh, oh, hold on a solo. You played a Led Zeppelin thing in Miss Smith's class. It was like, it was very impressive anyway. Everyone was like, wow. And then I played the flute and everyone was like, just stay here, man. Playing <laughs> <laughs> the flute. Well. But yeah, no, we both went our separate ways in terms of like studying music. I studied jazz and John. Failed uh, at music, a general music course. Yeah. Studied. I didn't quite study the thing. Yeah. I studied. Yeah, I've been playing. Yeah. I went and 
to, to university to study music, but yeah. didn't actually do any of the studying part, mm-hmm. or didn't actually, well, when I say went, I didn't actually go in at all. Yeah. Maybe I went <laughs> when, I, when I say went, I didn't go in at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. I think we've all been there or not been there, as the case may be, where we were meant to go but never went and where we went but didn't go. Confusion, not conclusion. Let's go back to the shallow brown end and find out a little bit more about the Tascam effect. But it is those kind of limitations that make it kind of quite a special thing like mm. and then like the, the improvise in in like it's all it's all very subtle and yeah. i think that's why it works well as a mm-hmm. accompaniment for what i'm doing you know mm-hmm. it's like a bed it's like yeah. a bed for what i'm doing yeah it's a moving texture like four sound sources so you really have to figure out what are the four best yes that i can use that are fit together the best and work with the song and maybe are different enough yeah. That it doesn't all just start sounding yeah. like the same thing. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Kind of, it's like a movable drone. Like, mm-hmm. like you can, you know, very subtly change it over the course of an entire piece. Like, mm-hmm. and there's a journey in that, you know, and I yeah. suppose you can follow, I suppose the Shallow Brown. It's a big long song and there is a journey in the lyrics of the song and Ross is really good at like following that mm-hmm. emotionally. Yeah. With that drone. Yeah. Um and I can feel it. And if I can I can it helps me as well, like beyond it sounding nice and sounding interesting, it like helps me engage better with the song as well. Yeah. And that's it. That's it as well. Like the sound, some of the sounds that he, like that Ross has created, like they're like really inspirational kind of for me to like, like one of the tracks on the album. Like Ross was just messing with this tape in the studio one of the days, and I was like, "Turn on this mic, whatever." Mm -hmm. To Brendan, I was like, "I'm just gonna play something into this mic and." spontaneous kind of thing where like Ross was playing with this movable whistle drone kind of mm-hmm. thing yeah and I was like playing I was holding the whistles so I was like right I'm gonna play some something whatever comes to me uh, uh, like inspired by the drone mm-hmm. you know it was, and, and it was it's an interesting thing because it's a sample of the tin whistles that he manipulated and then I'm playing the whistles over that yeah, Tame. we didn't really plan on it becoming like a piece in itself. It was just, uh, there was one track on the Tascam that was just like, I'm not, I'm never really that happy with track three <laughs> of, on this tape. And I was like, oh, like, I'll maybe do something with the whistle. So when we play live again, so me playing it in the studio was just like, John, when we get to play live again, do you think you'd be like something like this? So it was just like, I got, 
John to record just like him playing the whistles over WhatsApp. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> he sent me the WhatsApp that's message. That's this one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's... It was a WhatsApp recording that I put into a granular sampler and like pitched it up and pitched it down. So <laughs> that's... And then when I slowed it down, it immediately sounded like something like Daniel Lanois would do. And I was like, oh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Big on the Daniel Lanois. Yeah. Accidental Lanois. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's just fantastic. of sound, as Brendan called it, the foundation upon which everything else rests is the conversation between John and Alton O'Brien on violin and viola. The pressure at the inner core is largely of this duo's making. As summer evenings made a welcome return this year, we moved our investigations al fresco to John's garden, where Alton joined us as we mic'd up the sky for added stony batter bird effect. John and Alton have playing tunes with each other is something that has had plenty opportunity to develop over their time together in Skipper's Alley and on various other musical adventures. With all the different iterations of different groups we've been in, it just, it feels a bit more natural now and then yeah. also comfortable enough for John to be like, actually, no, that's awful or whatever. Not to yeah. keep saying it too often, but you know, there wouldn't be any hassle. I would never say I can't imagine done, anything done being awful. awful. I, would yeah. have, I, if I was I, only fishing for compliments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's usually Successful. spot on. Yeah. <laughs> ever, I, if I ever have a very specific idea, I might tell you yeah. that I have yeah. this specific idea. Generally, yeah. I, I, I don't need to like tell them really anything. Yeah. Usually it's just, it's like that kind of... Yeah, yeah it, it's usually it. a matter of trying to create a certain atmosphere around it, but letting the voice do its work, mm. I suppose. Yeah. That the you know try assist the story if there is one now. Yeah, right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then every now and again, I do think that fiddles and voices, and especially in Irish music, just go very well together. Yeah. And there's a lot of imitation, like imitating on the fiddle mm-hmm. what the voice would be doing. Does it feel sometimes? I mean, again, maybe not exactly pertaining to the to this album, but like that you're that there's a a, a type of duet going on there if it's just fiddle and voice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Like there's um. It's, it's a, a two-way thing, mm. a good relationship between the two. Yeah. And even, I, you know, it, it just I think they blend really well together. And there's great moments when you can just be playing the exact same thing almost and then come completely away from it and, yeah. and go back into something more like an accompaniment or trying to create an atmosphere around it. Yeah. Or it's just not playing at all. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. right. The break of the... Oh 
yeah, I, I, like, with when I arrange the songs uh, on the guitar, yeah. Generally, I would have gone to Alton to like, because he's like before there was any of the electronic stuff yeah. involved. Uh, Any time I got a gig, I'd ask Alton to do it with me. Um, and so there was fiddle built into some of the tracks already. Yeah. And so, then I had ideas to like where where the, where there was no definite arrangements. Like I had ideas for the fiddle to be part of other arrangements, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and yeah, they just kind of grew, they they grew just through playing yeah, them together. But you they know? are kind of in the foundational structure of, of the... Of yeah, the, yeah, some of them, yeah. yeah. And then some of them are kind of, like, layered on top of other... Th- a part of, or like, kind of... Like, say, in Sh- Shallow Brown, it's quite, like, um, layers of textures, you know? As opposed to structural, like where it's where it's structural, yeah. it's uh, like um, Canley Canley is Canley, very Canley, very yeah. part, of, very much part of the structure. Like. I remember a few times we were just playing it, probably even like places like right here, uh-huh. and just this very we were field. Just, first, yeah, this very field. First, I think it was improvising around a little bit, and then you know John had specific ideas of the sort of mood and atmosphere, of the whole thing, and tell me more about the what the actual song is about and mm-hmm. all the rest. It just yeah, it just we locked on something then, and then for ages we couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> I think then we had a phone recording of it or something. So it wasn't it was all John's recovered. phone. It's John's phone went no, missing. No, it was your phone, wasn't it? <laughs> it was actually. In India. It was are, in are, India. You, are you are you We got a gig with Skipper Sally in India through Facebook, so we all tried to say, sort it. Maybe even a scam or something. True story. Yeah. Just true a, Facebook. It just came through in a message like, what? Any chance to come to India? Like, grand, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a world culture. Like, it was a, in a university, but they were having this science and arts festival. Yeah. Which, which were, side were you, were you on? We, we were, were on the science course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we brought the instruments anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's the goals again. But the, ah, yes. that was one of the mad coincidences there, because Canley, Canley, about the... I didn't even realise that it was... Because I wasn't actually an Indian listening. angle. Jesus. It was gas. I wasn't... Sometimes I don't listen to the lyrics properly at all. It takes me ages yeah. to actually listen to lyrics and Right, songs. that's funny. It just... Even though, anyway, so I didn't re- really cop that it, what the song is about. Yeah. And um, while we were, we were recording it, um, John was singing it. We were kind of at the back of this pub or something like that having drinks after the, the gig and then 
John was singing this song, Kennelly Kennelly, and in the background, I didn't realise this till I listened back either, but a train goes past and the drone is perfect for John's voice and in the same key, it's just... <laughs> on the phone. And it was only, I think you noticed it straight away, but there's only about, I don't know, six months later or something, I was listening to it, I was like, oh, that's mad, the train is in the same thing. And then another six months or whatever it was, I was like, oh, and the fucking song is talking about the train driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and John's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the train, like, it's a song about, like, yeah. a, a kid, to, like, his, his, like, it's a lullaby about you know Kendall imagining Kendall. their dad well it's, it's her, the, the dad is like going out to work in the, in the railroads and like the, the mother is trying to get him to be quiet but like trying to put him to sleep and getting him to, to imagine what he's when he's gone when he's bigger when he's older like he's going to have like going to be a train driver as well and and yeah. so it's a big dreamy kind of thing about trains and yeah and then there was this perfect recording where oh, was insane. there was so, a train in the background and so ambient and lovely like I was hoping to actually send it to John Ford the album but I lost the bloody thing I have thousands of recordings just on my phone from walking around when mm-hmm. we were there and there's like literally thousands of them and I was going through them all on every hard drive I had and I was the only one I couldn't find oh, no. I found some but it's just like the Somet- racket sometimes the alternate yeah. so hidden annoying. treasure is uh, you know I'm an expert at losing the really <laughs> most treasure the, yeah, the, the, most, best, the best thing I'll lose it give it to me I'll lose it for you <laughs> yeah. no but listen that's probably one of the most beautiful <laughs> stories I've ever heard my little Although this is a collection of songs, per se, there's a beautiful anomaly at play with this record in that, although the words are central, they never get in the way of the enjoyment of the music, which isn't an easy balancing act to execute. But then, because listening to songs in languages I don't understand, then yeah. it's never an issue. I don't think it is for anyone either. Exactly. So I, I prefer that. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think it's, yeah. Not that I don't like the lyrics either, but actually it's the same in poetry in general. I like, um, you know, if sometimes I'd prefer to to read it rather than hear it being spoken, mm. as if it should be like a written thing. Even though I think poets would probably disagree completely and be like, no, it has to be whatever the rhythm of how it's said. But I don't know what it is. I just don't, don't um, I, I actually don't the listen. The same, John? I'm the same and I <laughs> sing, sing songs. Like <laughs> yeah. if I, 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 I wouldn't, I've never sat through an album and listens to every lyric. Uh-huh. I, and I, I know there's people who do it, but like, I mean, and it takes a lot of time for me to like engage with lyrics, but I always get, lo- always get lost in the, in the sound of the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm drawn to music that um, treats uh, lyrics as, as that, you know, we yeah. can kind of drift in and out. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and I suppose that's, the, like that probably comes across in the music. Like when we're working on something, like I want, it to go in that place where it's like it the the lyrics are represent like, are represented as like they're very direct, uh, but they're also you can drift away into the sound and you'll still completely understand the feeling of the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So that's where like I mean myself and Alton, like I think we connect on that in the, in that kind of general how we treat 
the sounds that like, the, the music that we make together. Yeah, Pity it, is blown away. I know, you've been <laughs> blown away now. Make a look. <laughs> We'll be returning to John's Avery presently, but back here on Terra Firma, I want to shine a light on another highlight from the record. You just heard John on his modified double whistle there, and I was telling you earlier about how that was the year dot in B-flat for him. The inspiration for this beautiful sound that is so simple yet highly effective came from a London-based expat Donegal man, Packy Manisburn. Yeah, fella, fella he, Packy Manisburn is from Donegal, but he he was living in in England and he was he was kind of a fairly um, recognized. He was kind of like a bit of a head, one of the heads in the, in the folk revival in England at the time, you know. And anyway, like he has a, he has a few recordings like a couple of albums out and he sings songs and he plays whistle and whatever else but um this particular recording he has like three whistles hooked up to this to a load of like tubes i don't know what is that harmony <laughs> well i hope it is <laughs> he's blown into the tubes and the air is split between three whistles and he uses two tin whistles as drones and he just plays the tune on one of them. All right, I'll play a, a, a wee bit of an old Irish air. The drones he chooses are like just really, really interesting. Like he chooses, like they're not all the all the tin whistles. I think they're all in different keys, and he has a few of the holes blocked off on two of them, and they're just not the the the. It's not. It doesn't create the typical drone. Like it's not like a a tonic drone, like the pipes, or whatever. You know, it's it's unusual. Um, and I just I just thought it was absolutely amazing. Like this is mental that there's this and he was like an old lad as well like proper old lad doing this and he was just creating this kind of really interesting new thing really innovative kind of and he was probably just doing it for the crack like but it's stunning stunning
So there's a, there's a few other people who have like stuck tin whistles together or used two tin whistles at the same time, but not particularly like this. Cahill McConnell does them, but like he kind of plays the t- two at you at the same time and does harmonies and stuff like that. Um, this is more of a kind of like kind of it's more trying to mimic Packy Manus Burns's thing. I just wanted one as a drone, basically. That was it. I didn't want to to, to do went but but this is only one drone. So like that's the difference there between mine and Packy's. Like I haven't got to the next level. Next level is three tin whistles. But um yeah, this is it's just it's a simpler thing and like uh, because they're B flat whistles, um you can put more air air into it. What 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 I've discovered is that like where the tin whistle what I was saying earlier on about the tin whistle being like can't really vary the dynamics too much. But if you stick two B flat whistles together, you can get quite dynamic and like you can pump pump a lot of air in and create a lot of rhythm just through your breathing, which is very strange and it's quite like the flute. It's not typical for tin whistles. You wouldn't usually be able to do that with tin whistles. And because you're you're losing air, so you're you're splitting the air between two tin whistles, but also you're losing a lot of air between the two. So it's taking up a lot of air. But because of that, it's kind of like it's it's you're it's like kind of trying to blow into the tin whistle from here. Like a lot of air is getting escaping, but is escaping. But you can create, you can pump a rhythm easier because of that somehow. Now that we've given the crust a thorough going over, it's time to dig down a little deeper again into the foundations of the sound of the John Francis Flynn experience and familiarise ourselves with more of the machinations at the inner core. I tracked John like a bad smell for a few weeks of early summer and one Saturday night that led us all the way into the inner sanctum of his old alma mater, the cobblestone. As we'll find out in a little while, it has been the scene for so many learnings on his part over the last decade. But that night, it was the venue for the latest in a series of online gigs that John has hosted during the pandemic with Ona Canavon under the banner Walsh's at Home, arising from a night he's been part of, and will be again hopefully, at the other music bar down the road in Stony Batter. Joined by Alton O'Brien, Sparks, they flew from the Skipper's Alley trio who, together, never ever fail to bring the heat. Thank you. 
Ona Kianavon on the concertina with Alton O'Brien and John Francis Flynn. Being back in the eye of the hurricane at the cobblestone felt like as good a time as any to tear up like the mist that hangs o'er the Shannon pot at thoughts of where it all began. So I started the tin whistle when I was about six or seven um, because I had just uh, quit playing the piano after when I was I started piano when I was four and by the time I was six my uh, teacher told my parents that uh, I was uh, th- that I should quit because <laughs> it was no use which is uh, ridiculous I think for a six year old to tell a six year old to quit something so what so my dad my dad who's mad at the music was like right we're getting playing something we have to get him playing something like so he was learning the banjo at the time he said right I'll go to the tin whistle class and the two of us will learn the tin whistle together so while he was so he'd be he'd go and do his banjo class and then like after that class the two of us go and do whistle together and then after that about 10 sorry when I was about 10 years of age um, I picked up the flute then Yeah, they did work. Um, like what really worked, I suppose, was sending me to the, like, there was a thing called the Group of Kjol, which um, all the kids, uh, around seven or eight, you'd start going to, if you're good enough, you'd start going to um, a group, a group, like kind of an orchestra of trad musicians, trad, trad playing children. And, you know, to be like 30 or 40 young people with tin whistles running around the place, you know, concertinas and stuff like that. Between the age of 7 and 12. And then there's another one between under 15s and then there's under 18s as well. But some of the kids were like, Sive Pete, who's Rady's sister, um, would have been a, she's a close friend of mine, but she was, she would have started in the group of Kjell when she was four, like. So it was like, you know, it is a bit mad. It's a bit mental in there. And I used to teach those kids as well. Like when I grew up, I was teaching those kids. And it's just like to think like I was one of a while ago, I was one of these kids. And it's that kind of community where you just go, you rise up through the ranks of this thing. And there's a lovely community around you. And that's kind of what keeps everyone really interested in it is the community around it. Um, but yeah, so I just made loads of friends when I was seven or eight and I'm still still made to they're still my close friends today, like. Do like a little boy now with their hair cut like that. It's like, like the first, like, like the first day I met you. Huh? No, I'm not upset. It's just gal. And in true This Is Your Life style, we'll be joined at the finale in the Stony Batter Garden of Earthly and Alien Delights by one of those close friends, Cahill Caulfield, whose musical journey is inextricably bound up with John's. There have been many changes to the shape of both their horizons and sound along the way, but the one constant through all of it has been that all-important sense of community.
it is just one big community, like, and like, it's where I'm. I, I feel blessed to have that, you know, that network of like friends and you know a place. Where, like, I mean, I'll always there'll, there'll never be a, the moment in my life where I'm where I can't. I mean, obviously at the moment uh, we can't go playing sessions and stuff like that. But like once <laughs> once this is over and hopefully it doesn't happen again, um, you know, like you could go anywhere, even in just in Dublin. But you could go anywhere in the country. But even in just in Dublin, I can go anywhere. Sorry, not anywhere. But like there's like there could be three or four sessions happening um, any night of the week. And you can go in and just. And you'll you'll know these. You most likely it'd be very strange if you didn't know if you, or and you weren't friends somewhat with these people, you know. So, and that'll always be there. It's amazing. Yeah, and I would have learned probably most of, well, a lot of my music from just being in those sessions with whether it was sitting back and listening or trying to play along here and there and then actually getting up to speed with those musicians, you know. Um, yeah, it was a, it's a, it is amazing because I don't think, like, I think maybe in, you know, especially in like, well, I don't know, to be honest, like in say like rock music or in pop music whatever you know like the people that you're looking up to are like on a stage far away from you or on 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 a, on a screen and you're like on oh, like what will it, what would it even do to like you're not going to be playing you're never going to be playing with these musicians well unless you really hit the big time and do a collaboration with lady gaga or something like that, you know you know but like you don't you can learn from them you can probably certainly learn from those musicians by looking at them and think but with Irish music it's like you're actually engaging with them physically like it's a beautiful thing really Direct engagement with the masters of the tradition and the absence of a hierarchical structure means that once ready, a young musician can enter the river of sound at any point along its course and go with the flow. The collective spirit underpinning that open system is a powerful force. When the tide lifts, all boats rise. That's how it works. You don't have to ask permission from the harbour master. It just happens that way. That's why you get the feeling when being swept up by the music at the Willie Clancy Week in Milltown Malbay or some such that everyone is singing from the same hymn sheet and pulling in that one direction. That all-important word, community, again. Effectively, these environments are foster grounds set in the most fertile land with access to all the soul food a growing musician or artist could ever need. 
although we are a nation of singers, and Dublin in particular is a stronghold of the folk song, John's singing voice was remarkably a late-blooming thing. We don't often win, so it's more a case of winning when we sing as opposed to the other way around. But over the past few years, here in Dublin, there's been a noticeable resurgence in clubs where singing is the main event. Never mind winning. Ireland works best when we're singing. Much like the way he picked up the tunes, John's journey as a singer involved absorbing the craft by osmosis in these hushed environments. Like, say, what the Louvre is for painting, these are our temples to the art of singing. This is a really interesting one because I think I don't force myself to learn songs. Now, I'm actually really bad at learning songs. I'm actually like, I find it very hard to internalize lyrics. So anyway, that's another another thing. But there's certain songs that you will connect with straight away and you're like, okay, that's that's a song that I really, really want to sing. When she turned her down, the tears fell from her. Saying, false young man, you have deluded me. You're quite sure of a song when you're singing it, I think. Like, when you really connect with a song, you're quite sure of it. You're like, you're emotionally invested in it and you're you're in the song and if you don't get to that point where you where you can feel the whole thing even if you have felt it before when someone else is singing so this is the point it's like i've i've felt songs when other people have sang it and then and i've felt songs when i've sang them but there's certain songs that if even if they're great songs i know that okay, I'm not doing this justice. I'm not really connecting with this. And you can try and try and try and it'll, 90% of the time, you just, it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. And that's fine because there's loads of songs. You don't need to sing every song. Like you, you kind of meet you meet the song as its own kind of person almost like and you you kind of and you realize that the song has traveled so far and it like has you know carries the weight of you know so many people because you most of the songs apart from one uh apart from, I think I've, I've only ever learned a song once out of a book so like if I've learned a song I've listened to someone else singing it you know so there's that kind of weight there as well that it's been passed down from and so many people have sang that song um, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a kind of a respect there for the song and for how it should feel when the thoughts of his mother came into 
you know you have to be honest and open with the song and uh, let the song don't put any bar- barriers just let the song come into you and if it works with you then you know it's like it's like any relationship I suppose <laughs> <laughs> Any song, I think most songs that I've, if I've gotten them from a session or being in the room with them, um, like I can I can remember exactly the moment, and like I can almost can almost like go back to the moment. I remember exactly where Andreas was standing in the cobblestone. I was standing beside him when I was listening to him singing. My son Tim. stops you and well like it stops you there and like there is like I don't really know like you're in you're connecting with people I think when if you're being honest with the song I suppose like you don't necessarily have to be a technically amazing singer and but if you're if you can make people feel that if you drop all your bar- off the, all the barriers that like singing something in the first place is really really um, it's like you're dropping you're letting people in big time there but there is that thing where if someone drops their all barriers and just is honest with their with their delivery of the song um, that's a quite an emotional t- it can can be a quite emotional thing for everyone else for them and for everyone else who's who's watching, you know, if you can, because they can connect with that song through you, but it's always through you. Undress yourself and get into bed, and a tale I'll tell to you. Yeah, so this song, Come My Little Son, was. Uh, the first song that I ever, I ever, I ever learned. Yeah. Yeah, first song, because I didn't sing. Like, I didn't sing any music on my own. I would never sing a song, a pop song, or a, until I was like 20. And that was, that song I learned, and I was like, that was the song I learned to sing. I used this song to learn, to learn to sing, because I didn't know how to do it, like. Remember 
Daddy still your dad Though he's working far away In the cold and the heat All the hours of the week On England's motorway I just love the song Loved it. Like I basically discovered singing folks folk singing. So I, I always thought of traditional folk singing as quite naff. So as I was brought up playing the the um the instrumental music, I was there was a big disconnect there. There used to be anyway. Um I kinda had the same still had the same like feeling towards singing as I did towards Irish music when I was playing it when I was seven or eight, you know, this is really uncool. Singing this singing trad songs really uncool. But then I was in college in Minute studying music. I I dropped out of the course at, at some point. We had one lecture one one lecture on Irish or on I don't know if it was on Irish music, on folk music, or whatever. Um Adrian Scahill was the the lecturer and he played a track by the Watersons in, from England. And it was the song was the thirty foot trailer, um, and I was like, "This is I was mind blown. This is this all of a sudden, like a like a big awakening for traditional folk music." I was like, "This doesn't make sense." I was like, "I thought it was all terrible, you know." And then that spurred me on to go and look up the whole canon, like as in, like I want. I was like, "Give me everything." <laughs> give me all of it and like all of the stuff that I was overlooking like the Dubliners and like Lou Kelly and changed everything I was that that listen to that track like I mean I might have dropped out of that course but that course certainly formed who I am today And sure we like your daddy home And sure it would be fine Singing it to some friends that were probably like, oh, stop singing this song. <laughs> but like, I was, so I was, still, I was living at home with my parents and they didn't know I was I was singing until I was singing with Skipper's Alley. It was years later. Because I was like, anytime they'd walk into the gaff, I was like, no, I'm not singing. I, was like, I wouldn't sing around anyone. So I was, it was just eventually like, I started singing songs. I'd start singing this song. Like, I'd work up the courage to sing it at a session in front of some of my mates. And I'd sing that every time there was a session with just these particular people. And then as I got more confident, I would have sung it at a few different sessions, whatever, you know, like, and I was singing it kind of as, as often as I could possibly sing it uh, in front of people I felt comfortable, you know, with, um, but certainly not, not in front of my family. Um, for some reason, I was just like, I can't, it was such a, it seemed like such a, I was opening up some big part of myself that I, I was kind of nervous about. Remember, I still your dad. Now he's 
original idea was that I'd just record it um, at a set. I had a recording from Walsh's of me singing the song. And we decided against it. it. We were going to use it. It was like it had all the pub atmosphere, like everyone talking and then everyone's a bit, the hush or whatever. Now we might actually use it in this in this thing. Uh, yeah, we could use it in this. Sound great, John. Are they? Are they? Are they plants? Are they kind of? You've you've organised this, haven't you? Uh, yeah, the, the the local community, uh, the committee uh, have uh, hired in uh, all of these birds. And you can see. Really? Yeah, they get they hired a bunch uh, bunch of birds just to hang out. They're Bird, actors. Birds for hire. Bird oh. actors. <laughs> yeah. They've had vocal training. Oh yeah. And the gull sounds. Gulliver's Twist. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, is that the name of that? Yeah, well, it's Gulliver's Travels. Gulliver's Travels. Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist. Gulliver's Twist. Gulliver's Twist. What? You know, the classic. The classic Gulliver's Twist. around the twist. Jonathan Dickens, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes, Gulliver's Twist. <laughs> <laughs> Which is where we got our name, from being driven round the bleeding Gulliver's Twist, that is, you know the feeling. So look, Cahill Caulfield's here, which means we've almost reached the end of the line. Our time spent going round this wonderful story, like a record, round, round, is almost done. And if you've hung on this long waiting for a conclusion, remember what I told you about the impossibility of reaching such things when it comes to music. But if I was forced to sum up, what I would say is that this is just an introduction to the opening chapter of a musical story that I for one will be following every step of the way. Reasons to be cheerful are an important commodity right now, and one sure thing in that department is the fact that there's so much more to come from John Francis Flynn. It's only just begun. 
Cahill, we were just talking about um, the other day about how the two instruments really gel well together. Are, are, and, and from my point of view as a listener, they just seem to just have this kind of a dance sonically. Yeah, there's a... Yeah, there's something very unique about the fiddle and the flute together, right? It's a... Uh, yeah, dance is definitely the right word. It's almost a two are spiraling yeah. together yeah. at the same time. And and John, what you were saying earlier about you know the way you found your space within a sound playing the guitar um, in those sessions, yeah. like does it take a lot of practice to be able to pair those two things up the two of you together you know because you're, you're going to record together right you're, you're, that's, that's the yeah plan. yeah well that the idea is at some point like hopefully we'll be recording at some mm. point mm-hmm. it takes years of practice but we never really we didn't really practice for those years we just played mm-hmm. yeah I mean, <laughs> right. we were for years you know, kind of know each other lots of points in front of us yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. genius yeah, yeah genius on yeah. <laughs> You'd be locked into each other at like yeah. at various points. Yeah, yeah, no. Various yeah. sessions of various like parties of various, you know, that kind in, of in various just, senses of the meaning of the term. Yeah. Say way more in those moments than you'd ever say with words as well. And exactly, yeah. Might be years later that you're like, Oh, I remember that and that will have been something huge and you'd never just talked about it, but wow. it was some it was a uh it was a conversation, but it's just connection and a connection like a, in yeah. a unique way. And I find that with lots of different people that you just really, in, I mean, in musical terms, like yeah. a, like a, a, really a phrase that 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 reoccurs and mm. you never acknowledge it the first time, or yeah, or even just a feeling like you've reached a level with someone that you don't often get with other people, and that it's locked in in a new in a new way or something like that. Something you said there, Carl, about you know that, that 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 kind of that communication that happens when when it's with something clicks and it's not spoken, it's not words. Is that kind of what music is? You know, that's what music is all about. That's what music is, or or is that definitely yeah. too big a statement? Or is that kind of what I get? What I'm getting at is that isn't that music? Yeah, 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 definitely. And it's yeah, I suppose it's similar. Like there be sessions when the whole session can feel. You've just lifted off. Yeah, yeah. You're gone yeah. into a new zone and everyone's on it. Yeah. And then you can transfer that to the first time you see an amazing band at, for, yeah, at a huge festival or something and you can feel everyone yeah. lift. It's the same feeling and it is what music is all about. I think you, yeah. everyone's in that moment is just like, class. Yeah, <laughs> that community thing, yeah. It's a communal thing. Yeah, yeah, like literally a, a kind of a moment, in the moment, all boats rise feeling yeah. of, yeah. of, of, mm. yeah, of exactly, being yeah. lifted up. Yeah. And then the room is brought together. Mm. And, and then Milton Melby spits you out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Our rationale behind saving this section with Cahill till last is that sometime in the near future, another chapter in the John Francis Flynn musical story will be an album of flute and fiddle tunes from the same duo. And with that, your cupful of the pure drop shall overfloweth. Get out of that Garden of Eden. Which reminds me, the birdsong is copyright of the sky. Down here on land, this is Donald and Ian, like I've always been, saying goodbye. So long now. was written by Donald Deneen and produced by Ian Cudmore. I Would Not Live Always by John Francis Flynn is available on River Lee Records. Support the making of these islands on Patreon. never know you just met <laughs> I know yeah here we are oh that's so First wonderful time. Um, Gulliver's Twist Gulliver's Twist yeah <laughs>